your life. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of WA This Week. Look back in sunny Perth. Uh, hey, boy, can I say it's sunny. It's been absolutely magnificent weather. Uh, we should all be on holidays and uh, not stuck in our offices, but important work, especially in politics. Um, look, the first thing I wanted to talk about today was the WA government's complete failure to address the homeless crisis. And this just goes on and on. And when, you know, here we are uh, six years into a Labor government, a new Labor government that's come in with all of their promises about everything they're going to fix. Uh, great on spin, but not great on actually doing things. And uh, no more side of it in, in the provision of homes. And at every level, look, provision of state housing or social housing, for people who can't afford their own homes and can't get into the rental market, uh, provision of rental properties, that is making sure rental properties available there to people to rent or even houses for people to buy. And of course, we've got this um, situation where the federal Labor government is doubling overseas migration above historic levels. You know, you know they're regarding to be quite literally tens of thousands of extra people uh, who will want to come into Western Australia, and they won't have anywhere to live. Oh, I, you know, it's quite dumbfounding to see this disjoint between what the federal government's doing and what's happening in the states. And can I say, this problem's in every Labor state um, on the mainland, and that is no housing. But, you know, we see the government again, they come out with another glitzy announcement on how much money they're going to pour into social housing, the media's trotted it out. Uh, you know, and promoted this as some great thing. But of course, we're still in the situation. I think the, the, the government, I think they've only just reached the point where they've actually replaced the social housing that they sold when they came into government. And that is, they sold 1,300 social homes when they came into government for some wrong-headed reason. And, uh, and they'd only just got to the point where they've been replaced and, you know, now they're coming up with other solutions. Let's see the rubber hit the road and, and I might say with, you know, housing generally, the, the, the biggest issue, I think, if you look at it outside of that provision for that critical housing and especially getting rough sleepers off the street um, and giving them somewhere to stay, is making sure that you make actually make housing affordable to people. Look, I'll, this is a whole other topic, and I think perhaps I should devote a podcast to it, but Australia is, is the... Probably, I would think, the most expensive place in the world to buy a house. Um, and that's a f collective failure of government policy. And uh, we'll talk about that separately. But, you know, the state government, they could make housing more affordable tomorrow by releasing more land. The availability of land is the single most important factor in driving up the price of houses. It's actually the price of land, which is the real expense. Adam? You might have seen in the press uh, the state government unfire over their COVID procurement plan. Now, look, uh, I actually thought the government procuring the uh, RAT test, the rapid antigen tests, um, uh, was a reasonable thing to do. And they, they did that for good reasons, and that was uh, to make sure that people could easily get access to those tests. They can test whether they're sick or not, determine whether they go to work or stay home, uh, or whether they need to go and see a doctor. Um, and, you know, that was a good reason. But what do we see once again with this Labor government? The Auditor-General has just released a report. Absolutely no governance of this process. Now, it was a massive expenditure, over $500 million, over half a billion dollars of your money, of public money spent on those tests. But as I say, you could say there was a justification for it. 
but they did not a business case. There was no control over the process. They went outside their normal procurement processes and checks and balances. And I'm not saying they should have taken months to go and do that, but those things could have been done, you know, in a day or in a couple of days. Just make sure you do things properly. And what we see once again with this McGowan Labor government, they do not follow proper process. You know, I've talked to you about the Landgate sales, but that is uh, the, the, the sale of the Landgate offices in Midland and just how shoddy that process was and how you as a taxpayer are tens of millions of dollars out of pocket. But, you know, here you've got the potential for hundreds of millions of dollars uh, of problems. Um, so, you know, it, it, it speaks of a government that doesn't think it has to follow due process and it doesn't have to do things in a proper way. And we see that again and again what they do, taking shortcuts and look, you know, again, it's probably a separate topic again for a podcast, but, um, you know, the lack of propriety in the way various things have been done, you know, I'll allude to one of the examples was a, a wind farm, uh, uh, not a wind farm, should I say, a wave energy project down at Albany um, that the government entered into, extremely questionable in the way that that was done. But, um, you know, here we see another example through this COVID procurement program, not following things, not doing things in a proper way or following due process. Um, but, um, one of the things that's come up this week, um, which I'm really disappointed in, and that is um, we've got another example of sporting organisations entering partisan political debate. Um, you know, we've had the AFI, AFL send out instruction to all of their clubs to make a statement uh, about the voice. Well, we know they're only allowed to make one statement, and that is that they should support um, the voice to Parliament. Um, you know, I do note as an aside, the AFL's pronouncement on this came after the federal Labor government gave them effectively $240 million for a stadium in Tasmania. And I think it's, well, you know, disappointing to um, see the conjunction of those two things. The federal Labor government gives the AFL a massive boost through uh, putting $240 million into a stadium that will be largely used for AFL in Tasmania. And then the AFL comes out and instructs the clubs that they have to make a statement. But then, you know, football clubs uh, are in, in Western Australia, the, there is by none of means a majority support, I believe, for the voice to parliament. And I think most people are concerned about what I'm concerned about. They agree with recognising Aboriginal people as the first peoples in Australia. They don't agree that you then separate Australians into two groups, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, in your constitution. And I won't go through that debate again, but I'm deeply concerned about that for a run number of reasons a lot of people are. If you've got a sporting club in the state coming out uh, and saying, oh, well, no, we as an organisation support this, when quite patently a large number of their supporters don't. And what about their players? What about their officials? This is the problem where the organisations enter uh, these sorts of public debates. And I don't think um, in the end it serves the organisation well, um, but also it's divisive. This is not, this is not a move that, that builds harmony or inclusiveness. It's a, it's, a, it's a move that divides their own supporters. Why would you do that as an organisation? I think that's really disappointing, but we're seeing increasingly, I might say, not just sporting clubs, but quite interestingly, corporate organisations. Look, you know, when I 
you know, I came into corporate life, it was made very, very clear to me that you don't um, get involved in partisan politics. And in fact, I used to have to sign in, you know, to sign a statement that I hadn't used the company's resources or I hadn't, you know, uh, done anything on, on behalf of the company, you know, uh, to support any political organisation or, or view. And, and I didn't mind that. I thought that was appropriate. When I was at work, I was at work. And, uh, you know, what I did in my private time was my business. But um, now you have a range of organisations entering a range of political debates, quite often on divisive issues, um, where it's quite clear a number of, you know, their own employees or supporters for organisations wouldn't support that view, um, and yet they'd come in and enter it. I think it's inappropriate. I think it's an unfortunate uh, aspect of, of the way that public debate has gone in Australia in the last little while. Um, uh, look, I'm not sure um, if, if we're going to get um, some questions, so I'll sort of won't go down this rahal, but, um, uh, or at least this topic. Um, but, you know, one of the, the interesting aspects of what we see federally in, in, uh, with Labor is just this massive leap to the left. Uh, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Uh, we now have a Labor government in Canberra I mean, they're going straight down the old, well, I would say the communist rule book, um, price fixing. I mean, imagine that a government in Australia entering into price fixing arrangements, um, doing it because we've had Labor states and Labor governments ban exploration for natural gas in, on the East Coast. Uh, they, have, they don't have gas uh, to provide to back up their power supplies as they transition to renewables, and they're having massive increases in in power prices, what's their response to make the sensible move and to allow exploration for gas and to get more gas into their market? No, they're going into price fixing. Um, you know, you, you see uh, the federal government have now tapped people's superannuation funds. You know, anyone who has uh, a, a self-managed super fund over $3 million uh, and they have property as part of that portfolio, the Labor government is going to tax them on, on price increases or at least asset increase, um, you know, valuation increase, um, when they haven't actually sold the properties. And you might think this doesn't particularly matter, but a lot of family farms are in fact put into a, a superannuation, uh, uh, self-managed superannuation fund. That's how families manage that as, a, as an asset and manage the transition of that asset um, to children. And now you've got the potential where a farm value increases, and I don't know what's happened in the rest of Australia, but in Western Australia, we've seen massive increases in farm values. Um, a lot of farms have more than doubled in value. But of course, that's only money in your pocket if you sell it, because for many families, they don't have to keep that farm for generations. And yet we're in a situation where they're going to have to pay tax on that. And it means that you'll actually be in the situation of families being forced to sell their farms to pay tax on a profit they wouldn't otherwise have realised. Just appalling socialist um, uh, policies that are coming in. You know, we know the history of command economies, and that is they all fail. Look, even China had to go down the path of saying, yep, we're a communist country, but hey, we're going to let free enterprise work, and we're not going to constrain that with price fixing and the like. Um, and yet here we have a Labor government in Canberra doing exactly that. It's just um, 
really uh, that, uh, terrible to see. And I suspect a lot of people that are that have voted for Labor in the last federal election are getting voter regret because uh, you know this is a, a really bad direction. And you can see they want to go even further. You know that superannuation. Some of you may think, well, oh, well, they're rich people. Fair enough. I, I don't support envy taxes, but um, nevertheless, sometimes people think that's fair. But what was very clear in that old debate was that Labor's got a raft of taxation proposals for superannuation, but the Prime Minister, to stop the public debate, has made them put all of that in a drawer. But they've got it in a drawer, and they'll pull it out. Um, look, we're coming up, and I'll end on this topic um, next week. Uh, we've got the state budget coming in. Look, this is an opportunity for the McGowan Labor government to demonstrate that they actually you know, care about the future of the state and particularly people who are suffering enormous cost of living pressures. Obviously, we've seen the rising interest rates, but of course we've seen year-on-year year increase in, sta in, in state taxes, fees and charges. And that is going to continue. Now, the state government, they've played this trick before where they sort of give people a so-called rebate on their power bill, but of course the underlying charges have gone up year after year. So all of those red rates have been uh, to take it up with uh, increased charges. And and it sounds like from what the Premier's uh, said in making comments to the media that he's going to play a similar sort of trick in this budget. And they'll give you this illusory uh, sort of rebate. But of course, the underlying charges are still going up um, over time. And, you know, we had this fast. The Premier came out into the media and said, oh, look, inflation's been 7%, but we're only putting up energy charges to an 8%. Well, one... Uh, they only need to put those charges up if the underlying cost of those organisations go up. They are not going up by anywhere near 7% for those organisations. Um, but of course also the 2.5% increases they are applying to these fees and charges was announced in the budget, you know, two years ago, so, or a, you know, a year ago at least. Uh, and so it's just as normal charges. So there's no saving to you. They already announced what they were putting those charges up by. And as I say, it's those underlining fees and charges going up all the time that are costing you money. The government's got to could make a real difference to your your uh, cost of living by freezing those fees and charges, which we've called for um, to give you relief during this time. And um, look, uh, other areas there, and I won't go to you know I'll have a chance to talk about the budget. I think probably the next podcast. But um, what we do need to see is the government don't don't focus on gimmicks. You know, they've got a massive surplus. They've received a cumulatively around $20 billion in surpluses above forecast budget due to the massive uh, high iron ore prices where they get royalties and also because the, the GST fix that was put in by the federal Liberal government. Um, so they've got a huge, uh, you know, amount of money there. Look at the future of the state. Okay, this is a boom time, but we know that we'll come up against bad times in the future. What's the government doing about developing that next generation of jobs, um, particularly um, in regional areas in the state? So let's see what they have on that in the budget. Look, otherwise, um, if there are any questions, I'm happy to answer questions. Uh, well, one comment is from Nicole Butler, who I think you know, who says, great points, Dave. Keep up the good work. Well, Nicole, thank you very much for those kind words. Um, Alan Marcus asks, what's your view on the current Bayern Solara view? Uh, look, let's see how it goes. I mean, to be frank, uh, the state government focus on the fire and I think is a, it bought a larger gimmick to distract 
the population from what is an epidemic of crime. Um, you may have seen in the paper uh, over the week, you know, uh, there was a, a group that ransacked 12 homes in Perth, went through, caused massive damage, stole goods. Um, and we're seeing this more and more. I've said it again and again in the regional parts of the state. Those of you, you know, who live there are living through a, a nightmare, particularly if you go north of Geraldton. And even coming into Geraldton, we're seeing this massive wave of of crime against the property and against the person. But, you know, more than a 20% increase in crimes, serious crimes against the person. These are violent assaults, rapes uh, and the like under this government. And what are they doing about that? Because I can tell you that any changes to the gun laws are going to make no difference whatsoever to those issues, which are the real crime issues that people are experiencing. Houses being broken into, property being stolen, people being threatened, you know, people being physically harmed, bashed. They're the real crimes that need to be stopped. Now, uh, almost none of those crimes, or in fact, I suspect none of those actually involve um, firearms or the sorts of firearms that the government are talking about. I mean, remember they had that great gimmick with a 50 cal rifle? There are three in the state. They're all secure. A 50 cal's never been used in a crime in the state, to my knowledge. You know, it, it's it's all for so the premier and the police minister can get a photo op with a you know a you know a, a group of uh, you know our police officers um, standing in front of a rifle and it makes for a good headline. Doesn't solve crime. So let's see where it goes. But I'm very sceptical that this is about crime. I think it's much more about distracting people from the real law and order issues in the state. Uh, Canada guy uh, on TikTok says this is literally fake news. Well, there you go. What, the, the arms or the... <laughs> but so what is referring to? Yeah, uh, oh, there you go. Perhaps I'm an AI generated... Uh, <laughs> hence the uh, the good look. But, uh, yeah. Uh, John Holmes says, yes, Labor are poor leaders, but the Liberals are weak. I have lost faith in Australia's Electoral Commission. Uh, look, well, uh, a few topics there, but uh, look, I can assure you that as an opposition at the state level, you know, all of my colleagues are working really hard and I'm actually really proud of what my colleagues are doing at a federal level. Uh, I think Peter Dutton, you know, I think he's been really clear making a really clear differential between Labor uh, and Liberal and what they stand for. He's made that very clear and he's a really, I don't, you know, obviously most of you would never have met Peter Dutton and I'd never met him and uh, you know, I'd seen him in the Liberal Party but I have, have had the opportunity to catch up with him since he's come into that leadership role. I think he's a really genuine uh, person, uh, very compassionate um, uh, policeman. I won't go through his history but... Uh, look, I think I think we are doing the job. It's sometimes hard to break through the media uh, the wall. Uh, you know, in, in the state level, I think the state that it, the state Labor had about 110 media people that they appointed when they came into government at the state level. Just imagine that. Uh, and, and then I think they appointed about another 50 so-called to manage the messaging on COVID. Uh, I don't think they've got rid of them. They've got an army of media media people. So sometimes it's hard to break through, but. Look, we're working hard. If there's a specific issue you have, just contact my office directly. All right. That's it. Okay, great. Well, thanks, everyone. Look, uh, please make sure you, this, this obviously, if you're listening to it live, good. Um, but if uh, you're seeing this on, on social media, 
Um, you could subscribe to this on any of your uh, any of your favourite uh, app stores uh, and uh, or apps at least, and you can subscribe to this podcast. And otherwise, I'm really grateful for you uh, taking the time to listen. And please, if you've got any questions or queries, um, just send them in, comments. Uh, we always love that. Thank you.